Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Bitten but not poisoned. Bitten but not poisoned. As we look back, most of us are likely to recount several victories that we have celebrated. But there would also be issues that we encountered in the course of the year that we are struggling to comprehend and that have left unanswered questions in our hearts. This message will help you appreciate the changing scenes of life, bitten but not poisoned. Let's go to the book of Acts 28 and let's read from verse 1 to verse 6. It says, Now when they had escaped, they found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness. For they kindled a fire and made us all welcome. Because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. May that be your testimony. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds. They changed their minds. They changed their minds and said he was a God. May the Lord bless his word. Amen. The journey of our lives is fraught with twists and turns. We sometimes find ourselves with unanswered questions and ask ourselves, why? But there is a reason. There is a reason for everything we go through and there's a reason for every experience that we encounter. And I'm trusting that God will bring some encouragement to somebody through this word. Amen. Apostle Paul emphasizes the importance of the purpose behind every experience in Romans 8:28 he says and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called or the called according to his purpose Paul didn't say we assume he didn't say we think. 
He didn't say we suspect. He didn't say we hope or we hear. Now, the, the, the words we know connote a strong sense of certainty. When somebody asks you for the direction to a place and you say, I think, the person wouldn't move with conviction. But when you say, I know where the state house is, the person will know that you know. Tell somebody I know. Paul says, we know. Now, what do we know? He says that all things, all things, all means all. It includes your testimonies that you have experienced or encountered. It also includes the setbacks you are still trying to understand. All, all means all. Somebody is asking, why did my fiancé walk away? What did I do wrong? Why did they bypass me in the interview for a seemingly less qualified candidate? Will I get another chance? How do I manage in life after losing both parents? Will I find somebody else to marry? Questions, questions, and more questions. But the scripture says all, 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 all things work together. Work together means they conspire, they collaborate, they support each other. They complement each other. The good, the bad, the misunderstandings, they all complement each other. And they are working full time, day and night, for good to two categories of people. Who are they? Them that love God. The second category of people is those who are the called according to his purpose. Friends, there is a purpose a counsel of God concerning your life. When you love God and you submit to his counsel, he helps you see the full picture. Until the full picture becomes clear, the pieces don't make sense. For Moses to realize his destiny, he had to be abandoned by his biological mother, abandoned on water. Adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, raised thinking that that was his mother until he probably accidentally found out that was not his mother. It was part of the plan. Tell somebody it's in the plan. There is a plan of God for your life and a plan of God for my life and the details standing alone often don't make sense but when they are put together, they work together for our good. There is a reason for every experience. There is a reason for every twist. There is a reason for every turn. And in the midst of it all, God is working, pushing things, shifting things, ultimately to work for your good. Hallelujah. I would like us, before we settle down, to look at Paul, to look at a character in the Bible who had an inexplicable experience and how the hand of God worked in that experience to fulfill a counsel that was predetermined. Let's go to the school of the wilderness and locate a man called David. David. Like many of us, David must have often complained and wondered why in a family that was blessed, he was consigned to a lonely place in the wilderness 
or in the desert looking after sheep. Friends, God had to hide David in the desert for a specific preparation that needed time alone. It was in the desert that he cultivated the three critical skills that would project him to his ultimate glory. David learned to shepherd, he learned to worship, and he learned to fight. His skills as a shepherd became useful much later because it prepared him to watch over God's people as a shepherd and as a king. His skills in worship were critical because sometime later, King Saul would be troubled and God would want to move him from the wilderness or the desert to the palace and Saul would one day ask for somebody with the gift of playing the harp and worshiping. God was preparing him for that interview. His skills in worship transported him from the wilderness into Saul's palace. But learning to fight without weapons was undoubtedly one of his greatest assignments in the desert because it brought him the most significant victory of his life against Goliath. I can imagine that when David saw Goliath, he would have said in his head, you remind me of a lion. Very big, very intimidating, very strong. The last time I faced your kind, I fought with my bare hands and I prevailed. Between then and now, God has been good. He has added a sling and a stone. That is too much. (laughs) Hallelujah. He said, you look like a lion. And the last time I fought a lion with my bare hands, I prevailed. Today, additionally, I have a sling and I have a stone. Friends, David was not a novice. He was an expert. This was a typical case of skills versus grace combined. For the things that God will do in your life, you need the skills and you need the grace. Tell somebody, I need the skills and I need the grace. When the grace comes and you don't have the skills, you will fall short at a point. And so David was not just one lucky person. He was a person combining skills and grace. You say, how do I know? Let's go to the book of Judges 20 and the verse 16. Because all things work, work together. Judges 20 verse 16 gives us some unusual insight into the art of catapult wielding. It describes the men of Benjamin as they lined up for war. And describe the various specialists that they had. But in verse 16, Bible says, among all those people were 700 select, select men who were left-handed. And each one could sling a stone at a hair's breadth and not miss. Years of isolation and years of loneliness had prepared David to the point where he had mastered an impossible skill. Bible scholars contend that these men of Benjamin could fly a stone from 200 meters and hit their target. And to especially help us understand the accuracy of their skill, Bible says they could sling a stone and hit 
the hair of a human being with accuracy from 200 meters. Why is that important? Let's go to the encounter between David and Goliath and listen to a discussion about strategy and we will see a certain advantage that David had that was not apparent. And so let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 44. When David came out to fight Goliath, Goliath began to laugh. He said, oh, bring me a soldier, you brought me a small boy. Bring weapons, you brought a stone. He apparently didn't know about the art of catapult slinging. But why didn't Goliath attack first? He didn't attack because he was waiting for David to come within the range of his weapons. In 1 Samuel 17 verse 44, the Philistines said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Why did he need David to come? Because his spear and his sword could not reach 200 meters. He said, come to me and I will give your flesh. In his mind, David was coming close for close combat where his weapons had an advantage. But David knew what God had prepared for years in silence. And so David stayed put and began to make his calculations. Then go to verse 48. Goliath tried to force the issue. Bible says in verse 48 that the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David. He came and drew near. And David said to himself, before you get to the point where you can use your sword and your spear, I will deploy my advantage. So from a place of divine advantage, David releases the stone and if the hair of a human hair or a human head was a target he could hit, then the forehead of Goliath was too big for him. Let me make an official announcement to somebody facing a big giant. The giant may look strong and the giant may look impregnable, but years of walking with the Lord and loving the Lord and understanding the purpose of God has prepared you in a way you don't know. That giant will fall. That giant will fall. That Goliath will fall. That giant will fall to the ground. You will hit and you will not miss in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Your giant may be big, but you will not miss your target. When divine favor and excellent skills meet, the impossible becomes possible there was a reason he had to be hidden in the desert there are times when God must hide you to prepare you David's experiences were shaped with his future battles in mind and where did it happen in a place of loneliness and rejection friends if today you find yourself in a place where there is nobody with you God is up to something. Hallelujah. Tell somebody God is up to something. Tell the person there is a reason. 
Oh, one more time. Tell them there is a reason. I may not see it. I may not understand it. But there is a reason. Friends, next time you are faced with a missed opportunity, next time you look back at your regrets, next time you look at rejection in the face or abandonment, where it looks like you feel dishonored by people you have helped, when you find yourself at a place where you are run out of supplies and you are surrounded by people who seem to be happiest, when they look at your difficulties, remind yourself there is a reason and something that God is doing is working full time for your good. Friends, it will manifest. It will not lie. It will not delay. It will manifest. I came to encourage somebody. God has not gone to sleep. He that keepeth Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. For a while it may look like he has forgotten, but he is at work diligently day and night to establish you according to his purpose. Hallelujah. Everything, all things, all things will work together for your good. Let's go to the Maltese experience in Acts 28, which you read. And find out how all things work together for good for the Apostle Paul. Paul was on his way to Rome after appealing to Caesar because the Jews wanted to kill him. Right at the beginning of a journey, out of many prisoners, Bible says that Paul found favor with Julius, the centurion, who was overseeing the prisoners. In Acts 27 verse 3, Bible says Julius treated Paul kindly. Something about Paul made him like him. He just liked him for an inexplicable reason. You say why, you will understand later. Sometimes you meet somebody and for no reason they take a liking to you. And it's sometimes the fulfillment of something that God, operation for something God will do later for which they will be needed. And so the journey by ship was incredibly rough and stormy. Paul had advised against it, but he had been overruled for commercial reasons. And the Bible recounts that at the lowest point of the journey, all hope was lost. And they didn't see the sun or stars for several days. And so let's join them in Acts 27 from verse 21 to 26. Bible says that, but after a long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. Verse 23. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Be not afraid, Paul, for you must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. 
However, we must run aground on a certain island. Bible says that in a moment of uncertainty, God brought a clear word to Paul. Friends, in your darkest moment, God will speak. I said, in your moment of uncertainty, God will speak. And he will speak with power and speak with clarity. Paul was saying, we may be in a crisis in this office. But I'm not an ordinary member of staff. I may look like everybody else, but I carry a powerful weapon in my arsenal you cannot see. He says, my God to whom I belong and whom I serve. Is there somebody here who belongs to God? Is there somebody here who belongs to God? Is there somebody who is serving God with all your heart? He says, my God to whom I belong and whom I serve has given me an assurance. He said, me, I will not die. And not only that, because of me, all of you have life insurance. You will not die. Because of me, 256 of you will survive. Now you need authority to say that. Paul says, the God that I serve has assured me nobody will die. Now why was it important that Julius take a liking to Paul? Bible says, as they went on and the ship spun out of control, the soldiers concluded that, you know what, if the ship will run aground, we can't go back and say we lost even one prisoner. So let's make things easier for ourselves. Let's kill all the prisoners. Somebody got a brilliant idea. Kill all the prisoners. And Bible says they would have done it, but for one man, Julius. Because of Paul, Julius said, I will not allow. Julius was Paul's divine connector. We learned earlier on in Snake and Ladders about divine connectors. Somebody you will meet somewhere. It didn't look significant when you met the person, but God positioned them ahead of you to speak for you. It must be somebody with authority who can speak on your behalf and save you and implement something God wants to do in your life. God had spoken that they would not die, but they needed somebody with a voice to speak on his behalf. May God raise a connector for you. I said, may God raise a connector for you. Friends, there is a hidden purpose behind the seemingly insignificant meetings, encounters, relationships that we meet on our way. Some of them may not look that apparent, but God is up to something. Hallelujah. Eventually, all 226 passengers comprising soldiers, crew, and prisoners arrive on the shore, some swimming and some floating on the pieces of the ship. They later realized that the island was called Malta. And there was a reason for their being at Malta. But five significant things happened before that reason emerged. And I would like to walk you through those five because you will find yourself in each of these five very important landmarks in the life of Paul. The first point is that you will be set apart from many. You will be set apart from many. God would always set you apart from the multitude. 
in order to establish you in his purpose. There were 226 passengers who landed on Malta, but one of them was there on assignment and had to be separated from the rest. In Acts 13 verse 1 and 2, Bible says, As the disciples prayed and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Separate me, Saul and Barnabas, for a work I have called them to. Friends, God will separate you. He will separate you from your family. He will separate you from your classmates. He will separate you to show you a different path that he has for you. 100 people may be employed in your office on the same day, including yourself. But God has a plan that in a few years time, he will make you the chief executive. And so from day one, he will begin to separate you from the rest. That may be the reason why they are giving you all the difficult assignments, all the rough treatments, the things that are stretching you are meant to bring out the best in you. Friends, there is a reason. If you don't understand where God is taking you, some of the processes don't make sense and you ask yourself, why? Why me? Because you are anointed. You are anointed, set apart for a particular reason. Never compare yourself to others and say, they are fine. I am being stretched. Because you are anointed, you must be stretched. Because you are anointed, your path is different. Set apart. There is a reason. The second thing that you will find, stoke that fire. Stoke that fire. If you will walk in the corridors of power and make an influence wherever you go, when you enter a place, raise the temperature. (laughs) Tell somebody, raise the temperature. Wherever God places you, raise the temperature. After days of intense cold and rain, they landed in Malta and Bible says they experienced unusual kindness. A fire was lit to keep them warm. Every fire generates two principal things. Light and heat. Light stands for exposure and heat generates pressure. And so the light from the fire will expose the things that are hidden and the heat from the fire will drive out unwanted things. Say light and heat. You need light and you need heat. And so Bible says that they lit a fire and the fire was burning smoothly until Paul gathered a bundle of sticks and said, listen, let's raise the temperature a bit. And the moment he fueled the fire, suddenly all hell broke loose. Bible says a poisonous viper leapt from the fire and instead of running away, fastened itself on the hand of Paul. Why? There is a reason. A viper is a poisonous snake with a triangular head and relatively long and hinged fangs. And the, the, the fangs or the teeth of a viper are designed to strike, hook, 
and poison. They are like needles with the poison traveling through them. Just imagine an injection and you will understand. And they penetrate deeply into the victim and then they inject their venom. One type of viper called the pit viper is supposed to have infrared sensors between the eyes and the front, the nostrils and the, and, and the eyes. And that helps them to locate any warm-blooded animal when it comes close and attack. And so this viper sees Paul and if it was running away from trouble, the common sense approach is to run. But the moment Paul sparked the fire or took the fire, it attacked Paul's hand. Now here's my question. Where was the viper before it struck? Was it in the fire and comfortable because the fire was not raging? Or was it in the last batch of firewood that Paul put in the fire? While you try to wrap your mind around that, can I submit something, my friends? That the fire was burning and the viper was comfortable until Paul stepped up the temperature. You will find out in your life that there will be places where you go and the system supposed to generate light and heat is in place. And yet the viper is operating. Smoothly operating. Until you step up the fire, the system and the viper will coexist side by side. But that's why God put you there. That's why God put you in that office. That's why God put you on the political front. That's why God put you in that school. In a place where everybody is doing things in a particular way. When you step there, lift up the temperature. Begin to light up the place. Raise the temperature. Put on some light. Release some pressure and some heat. And make a difference. Hallelujah. The moment you raise the temperature, be prepared for attacks. The viper attacked Paul's hand. The hand that was feeding the fire. When you light a fire of revival, the enemy will attack you. When you fund the work of Christ, the enemy will try to attack your finances. When you help the poor and do things to honor Christ, you become a target of the enemy. And the enemy will try to attack your channels of supply. When you expose corruption in your workplace, get ready to be bitten. My friends, people will have committees in place and pretend to be working, but their committee is comfortable for the viper. Light some fire, light some fire. Somebody light some fire where you find yourself. God puts you there for a reason. Gather firewood, put it in the fire and let the fire burn. Hallelujah. In your office, generate some heat. In your school, generate some heat, change some things, shift some things. They will fight you, but God is fighting for you. I said God is fighting for you. Hallelujah. The third thing you will see is shifting perceptions. Shifting perceptions. Bible says, so when the natives, in verse 4, when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt, 
this man is a murderer. Even though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. Let me encourage somebody who has lit a fire and been bitten. Let me encourage somebody who has stood for Christ and the whole system is fighting you. Take heart. Your troubles will change your testimony, but it will only be for a season. Bible says that when they landed in Malta, the people showed them unusual kindness. But suddenly, once some difficulty came Paul's way, the same people who had been nice to him started explaining his struggle. People who have been nice to you, and suddenly they are explaining the logic behind your suffering. The Maltese said, Paul is a murderer. Because even after escaping the storm, natural justice. You see, this is how these things work. It will catch up with you. The most interesting part is when people who don't even know you are describing you with authority. They they saw him less than an hour ago and they were describing him. He's a murderer. We know him. If you are here and your testimony has been dragged on the ground, your name has been messed up by people who should know better, people who don't even know you, take heart. It's only for a season. All things will work, work, work full time, and it will turn out for God. Hallelujah. It's just because he stoked a dormant fire. There is a reason. Bible says that when they began to look at Paul, when the, when the viper fastened itself on the hand of Paul, Bible says he just shook it off. Verse 5, but he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. Tell somebody, shake it off. Oh, tell the person with some swag, say shake it off. Some things, you just have to shake them off. And that's where the title of this message came from. Bitten but not poisoned. Bible says he just shook off the snake into the fire. They may bite you but it will not hurt you. They may target you but it will not hurt you. Somebody be encouraged. Situations may come against you but it will not hurt you. There was no way Paul should have lived. Because authorities say that when a viper bites you, it damages your blood system it leaves severe bleeding and then thrombosis, renal failure and then gradually it finishes you. It can finish you in 10 minutes or in a couple of hours depending on how much venom is injected and, and whether you receive treatment or not. But the average time, 30 minutes to one hour. Interestingly, fastening itself on Paul's hand was an indication of staying power. It was saying, until I finish you, I'm not leaving you. But by shaking it off, Paul was saying, listen, you may come against me and say what you like or do what you like, but I'm focused. Hallelujah. Somebody may be bitten by regret, loneliness, rejection, missed opportunity, opportunity that you thought you should take advantage of and you made one mistake and for three years, you haven't forgiven yourself. I came from God to tell somebody that while the bite is painful, the greater 
poison is your reaction. You may make one mistake or be wrongfully accused and sometimes feel that everybody has heard about my story. And so you set off trying to tell your side of the story. And as you tell one person and another, you find out that you are making yourself the amplifier of the enemy. Don't lend your voice to the attack of the enemy. Don't lend your voice to the accusation of the enemy. You will find out that while you think everyone is talking about it, God is working. So let it go. Leave it. Allow time. Bible says they watched for a long time to see whether he will fall. And nothing happened. To shake the vipers to say, I know your plan, but I will remain focused. Can I encourage somebody? The thing that is sent to distract you, the thing that is sent to take your mind off the good you are doing, shake it off! And just stay focused and keep going because any time you see that distraction, you are close. Very, 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 very close. Stay focused. Stay focused. When they throw it at you, just shake it off. Stay focused and say, I am blessed and highly favored. When they say you are arrogant and you are proud, say, the Lord is my light and the Lord is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? People will throw words at you and try to intimidate you. People will say things about you to try and hurt you and cut short your supply of grace. So that instead of focusing on the work you are doing for God, you will spend your time answering them and trying to explain. But somebody just stay focused. There is just a couple more steps and you will get there. I said you will get there. Stay the course. Hallelujah. Shake it off. Shake it off. They say, just shake it off. Shake off every accusation, shake off every fear, shake off every regret, shake off every disappointment. You miss one interview, just shake it off and keep preparing yourself. One door will open and it will work for your good. Hallelujah. Shake it off. Tell somebody, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it. Somebody must shake something off. The shaking off is two things it's an attitude and it's a miracle. Paul shook it off and that was the attitude. But it was also a miracle because the viper released poison but God turned it around for his good. When we put up the right attitude, when we show our faith in God, the grace of God is released and that which was meant to hurt us, it is turned around. Paul was somebody who knew how at adverse situations can come against you but it will turn around for your good he knew it he knew that once God had assured him that he would get to Rome no centurion no soldier no islander no storm and definitely no viper could stop him from getting to Rome friends you will get there I said you will get there the place that God is taking you you will get there Paul himself was speaking in the book of Romans after verse 28 you go on to verse 37 to verse 39 and you realize what Paul taught about adversity the things designed to distract you in Romans 8 37 to 39 it says yet in all these things which things 
Which things? Which things? All things. All things. All things. In all these things, the achievements, the regrets, the progress, the retrogression, the missed opportunities, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded. Now, if the words I know were strong, I am persuaded is three steps higher. I am convinced without a doubt that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Why don't you assure somebody that you will get there? I said you will get there. Tell yourself, I refuse to be distracted. I refuse to be shaken. I refuse to be discouraged. I shake off every accusation. I shake off every anger. I shake off every bitterness. I shake off every fear. Bible says, after he shook it off, they started watching. They said something will happen. You just watch. In verse 6, Bible says, however, they were expecting that he will swell up and suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and they saw no harm, they changed their minds and said he was a God. Somebody's about to experience a supernatural change of mind. Something interesting happened. First, there was the expectation. Expectation. The Bible says they expected him to swell up and die. That is what naturally happens when a viper bites you. And Bible says they looked and they waited. They looked at Paul and they waited. The natural course of events will take place. In my fertile imagination, I can imagine that they were discussing it. So let's watch how he will fall. Will he slide and fall? Will he fall backwards? If it was 21st century Ghana, they probably would have taken out their phones and started filming it live on Facebook. Trending, Twitter. Venomous viper exterminates prisoner. The headline had already been written, but I have an announcement for somebody they may write the headlines about you, but they are about to be disappointed. They are about to be disappointed. Bible says they watched and watched and watched and waited and nothing happened to Paul. Nothing will happen to you because your life is hid with Christ in God. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge, he's my fortress, he's my God. In him will I trust. Surely, surely, he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings will you trust his truth shall be your shield and your buckler you shall not fear for the arrow that flyeth by day somebody for the pestilence that stalks in darkness and the destruction that wastes at noonday hear me from the word of God a thousand will fall at your side 
and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. It shall not come near you. Only with your eyes will you behold and see the reward of the wicked. Why don't you celebrate the goodness of the Lord in this place? It shall not come near you. It shall not come near you because we serve a faithful God. Bible says after they watched for a long time, they repented. Somebody's about to change their minds. The same people who wrote the headline will withdraw it and they will change their minds. It's just a matter of time. Hallelujah. Oh, human opinion can change very quickly. When Bartimaeus cried to Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. They said, you are disturbing everybody. But the moment Jesus Christ stopped and said, come to me, they said, be of good cheer. It's working for you. We told you. We told you. Oh, they will change their minds about you. The same people will become your public relations officers. The same people will be the ones announcing your breakthrough. Hallelujah. Bible says finally there was an affirmation boldly when they saw that nothing happened. They said this man is a God. Somebody is about to open their mouth and publicly admit that the grace upon your life cannot be explained. They can look through their books. They can look through their theories. Something at work in your life cannot be explained by geography. It cannot be explained by chemistry. It cannot be explained by psychology because it is the workings of Jehovah. All things coming together day and night and working together for your good. Somebody keeps silent. Don't answer back. The same people will become your public relations officers. Hallelujah. You will enjoy some free promotion, some free advertisement. God will use those same people to announce your breakthrough. There is a reason. There is a reason for your doubt. There is a reason for your fear. There is a reason for your pain. There is a reason for your rejection. There is a reason for your disappointment. God is at work. Finally, after all these things, the supernatural agenda, the divine purpose for which Paul was sent to Malta finally emerged. Paul was supposed to enter the Maltese corridors of power and influence them with the message of Christ. And so in verse 7 of Acts 28, we find out that all these things were just stepping stones to the preaching of the gospel in the corridors of power in Malta. In Acts 28 verse 7 to verse 10, the Bible says in that region there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. And Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid his hands on him and healed him. And so when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. Verse 10, they also honored us in many ways and when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. 
it was important that Paul go through the things he went through. It was important that the snake bite him. It was important that he shake off the snake. It was important that nothing happened to him so that somebody would go to a senior citizen in the, in the island and say, guess what? There is a man in town who can survive viper bites. And Pablo says, I must meet that man. And God opens a channel into the corridors of power. And when Paul gets there, he knows that he's not there for fun. He's not there for dinner. He's not there just to be happy and enjoy the moment. There is a supernatural agenda in his mind. And so the moment he meets Publius, he knows this is an opportunity for the preaching of the gospel. So Publius' father is sick, no problem. He lays hands, the man is healed, and now the whole island. Publius' house becomes a hospital. People line up and they are healed. And the narrative in the whole island of Malta is about Christ and him crucified. By the time Paul is leaving, all the provisions he needs for the winter and for the rest of the journey to Rome are provided. May God work things out for somebody in this season. May every experience come together and produce that Julius that you will need. Those islanders you will need to speak for you. That Publius you will need to promote you in the corridors of power. May everything come together in a beautiful way and move you to the place where God wants you to be. I came from God to announce to somebody your agenda will be fulfilled. Your mission will be fulfilled. The name of Christ will be lifted up in your life. Every obstacle, every setback, every situation known and unknown will eventually work together for your good. It doesn't matter what you are facing. It doesn't matter what you don't understand. It doesn't matter how difficult it may seem today. It is just one piece of a beautiful picture. May God reveal the fullness to you. May God reveal the beauty of the picture because everything is working, working working together and when it's revealed it will be beautiful it will be glorious and the name of the Lord will be magnified in your life in Jesus' name, Amen Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert and E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233-2499-99000. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, amazon.com, or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember, you are blessed indeed. Oh, 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 oh,